Um, I should have done like a message on, on mothers, but I didn't do that. Sorry. Um, question is, um, where are you? This is the question that uh, God asked Adam in the garden after he had e- eaten the fruit. God came in his, uh, in his usual manner in the cool of the day, the Bible says, and he said, Adam, where are you? And this question, where are you, is obviously not a question about Adam's physical location. You know, God knows all, sees all, he knows where Adam is. And so it's not a question of place, but it's a question of condition. Where are you, Adam? So God is, God is um, looking for Adam in a, in a much deeper way than just his outer self, because your outer self is temporary. You're more than just what you are physically. If you think about what are you going to look like when you die and you go to heaven? Are you going to be the baby version of you? Are you going to be the teenage version of you? Are you going to look like you look when you died? Are people who have physical issues in this life, are they going to still suffer those in heaven? I don't think so. Because we're much more than what we see on the outside. The outside is just a tent. The inside is what God made in his image and in his likeness. The inside is what communes with God. The inside is what's going to live forever. And so when God is saying, where are you? He's talking about Adam. Where are you? The you that I made. The you that I love and care about. That inside of us has unquenchable desire for to either be God or to be with God. See, that's what Adam was wrestling with in his mind. What was he trying to gain from that fruit? Satan said, if you eat this fruit, see, God is, God doesn't want you to eat it because then you'll be like him. This, God is holding you back. And so Adam had this idea from, from the tempter that if I eat this fruit, I can break away from God. I can, like a rocket ship, break free from the gravity of earth. And possibly, maybe over time, I can be an improvement on God. I can do better. And so he took the bite of the fruit, and instead of launching off, the rocket ship just fell. And it was, it was terrible. It, dest- it was destroyed. And so God comes down, and he's looking for the one who was supposed to be his competitor. But now he's hiding. His competitor, who was supposed to be better in improvement, be independent from God, is now hiding. And he says, where are you? Adam was like Joseph in a lot of ways because Joseph was second only to Pharaoh, right? He had everything, second only to Pharaoh, and that's Adam. He had everything, second only to God. And he went and he tried to improve things, and it, and it messed up. So this is, how, this is the story of every single human being whoever turns away from God and says, you know what, I'm going to live independently from God. I'm going to do, I'm going to be successful where every single human being before me has failed. I'm going to live independently from God and I'm going to be successful at it. But then great is their fall as well. And so God is asking, where are you? But they find themselves eventually like Adam was, 
naked and afraid. So God forces the issue, and this is important. He asks, where are you, Adam? He wants Adam to give an assessment. He wants Adam's opinion of where he thinks he is. God already knows. But it's important that Adam gives the assessment. Why? Why is that? In Psalms 51.6, this is a cool verse because it tells us plainly what God wants. It says, Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being, and in the hidden part, you will make me to know wisdom. And again, we see that God's fellowship is with the inner man, the, inner, the innermost. So it's important to God. This is what he desires, truth in the innermost being. We, can, we have examples of falsehood in the innermost being all the time. I speak to people about, um, you know, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I've met a lot of people who have heard the gospel, understand the gospel. They believe that the gospel is probably true, but they have not surrendered to the gospel. And that is falsehood in the innermost being. Another example um, that's very important that I want to highlight is when God interacts with um, Sarah, the wife of Abraham. He comes in and he's, he's talking with Abraham and he says, I'm going to come back a year from now and you're going to have a, ch- a, a baby boy. And Sarah laughs and uh, she laughs because she has unbelief. And God calls her out and he says, why is Sarah laughing? And she tries to hide that. She says, no, I, I didn't laugh. And he says, no, but you did laugh. You did laugh. He calls her out. He does not let her get away with it. It takes faith for him to operate as he desires. He had to come and help Sarah. He had to come and correct her heart because he had this plan he wanted to carry, carry out, but she had unbelief in her heart. She had falsehood in their innermost being, and he came to call her out on that. And we need to learn from this story because we're all going to struggle with unbelief. We're all going to have these issues of falsehood in the innermost being. But what she tried to do was conceal it. We need to accept that's, that's our struggle forever. We're going to have that struggle forever. And I'm not saying uh, it's, it's excusable or it's okay. All I'm saying is acknowledge that fact. And instead, it makes it easier to decide to reveal to God what he already knows than to try to conceal what we think we can hide from him, which is absolutely nothing. We're all naked before him, open books before him, whether we admit it or not. But if we don't admit it, we're stuck. We're stuck there. And God can't work with it. Truth in the innermost being on the, in the very beginning is extremely ugly. It's dark. You don't want to deal with it. But in the end, becomes extremely beautiful. And that's why we avoid it. Listen to John chapter 3, 19 to 21, which describes so many people in this world who believe God, but have falsehood in the innermost being. It says, this is the judgment that the light has come into the world and men loved the darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light 
and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But he who practices truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. It starts out ugly, but at the end, it finishes with being wrought in God. And it starts beautiful. The Christian who says to themselves, Lord, I hate reading your word. I read your word and I get bored. I read your word and I don't understand it. I rather not do it. I rather go and do whatever over here instead. I don't know where my Bible is. And I'm sorry about that, God. Please help me. That person is much closer to the kingdom of heaven than the person who ignores that fact that they're not fellowshipping with the Lord and just keeps going as if everything was fine. And you see, it's ugly to admit to God that I don't want to go in your word. It's ugly to tell God that I'm, in, I'm ashamed of you. It's ugly to admit what's going on in your heart. But in the end, this is where he can bring deliverance. This is where he can work with you. This is where he can bring and affect change. And so we must not hate and despise the light for fear that we're going to be exposed. We have to understand we're already exposed before the all-seeing eye of God. We just need to come into agreement and have truth in the innermost being with him. Amen? And so Adam's response to where are you? Adam, where are you? What is his response? And I'm going to paraphrase. He says, I'm naked and I'm afraid. I, I, I heard you coming. I realized I was naked, so I hid. And that's all of us, whether we admit it or not. Listen to the other um, true statements that we hear in Scripture. I believe, Lord, but help my unbelief. The soldier in the back of the room pounding his chest. The prostitute crying, washing Jesus' feet. Every person who has ever called out to God in their own way has admitted, has agreed with God's assessment of their heart, saying, I am naked and afraid without you. I, you know, I read this verse that says that, that men fear coming to light because they're, they're fearing exposing these things about their lives. And and, and a lot of people don't want to admit that, you know, they're, they're naked and afraid. You know, and you just look at the world. All the terrible things are going on in the world. We're obviously naked and afraid without God. But I, walking with God, I love admitting that I'm naked and afraid to him. Like, it is so comforting to be able to say to a loving God, I'm, I'm naked and afraid, and I just know that he's covering me, and he's making me brave. And, and, um, and I just tell you, like, if you've got fear in your life, if you've, got, if you've got nakedness and afraidness in your life, go to the one who's going to cover you and make you brave. Um, and that's Jesus Christ. So um, before God, we're naked, whether we admit it or not. He can't restore us unless we think we're naked. So where are you? Where is your heart? Where are you, the true you? Our honesty propels us to new heights, but our dishonesty plunges us into deeper despair. So I've, um, I've opened the door to God, of my, the, the door of my heart, the door that I did not want to open. And what we see is darkness. We see blackness. There it is, God. 
There's the, there's the fear. There's the hate. There's the anger. There's the depression. There's everything in there that, that I don't want to face, but it's there. There it is. The door is open. I'm, I'm an open book before you. What do you do now? And the answer is that you surrender. You surrender to God. When you, when you come to this realization that you need to op- fling that door open, you may say to yourself, I don't know what God wants for me. I don't know what he wants, but whatever it is, I'm going to give it to him. Whatever it is. And that's surrender. And you've opened the door. You've showed it. Surrender is flinging these things out of your heart. Surrendering to God. Romans 8.13 says, For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Put Put the deeds of the flesh to death by the Spirit and live by the Spirit. As much as we think we're there, a lot of times we're not. We, a lot of times we have visitors that come here and, and they hear people maybe um, speaking in tongues and then they get weirded out because they've come to this conclusion in their mind about, you know, tongues is weird or they have a certain uh, preconception about it. And so their heart, their heart is hard and rigid on these things and they're unavailable to God for correction. They're unavailable to God for um, just a change of mind. There's people in this church who have decided, I'm going to worship God like this. This is what it looks like when I worship God. Some people here say, I, this, is, this is how often I pray. This is how I study the word. This is how much I'm going to give to the church. And we have rigid rules that um, oftentimes contradict God's rules. But we need to say every day, God, I don't know what you want, but whatever it is, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to make myself available to whatever your rules are so I can be under your rule. Amen? This is what we need. We're opening the door. We're showing the darkness, and we're getting that darkness out. We need to identify the sins in your life that keep God locked away in your heart. We need to identify the deceitful pleasures that this world has to offer that that silences Jesus' whisper. And we need to look at and face the hardships, the, the hurt in your life that prove to you that Jesus is not enough. The sin that's holding you back, the pleasures that this world has to offer, and the hurt that this world brings are all tools used against you to keep you where you're at. But if we reveal them, push them out, call upon God and his call for his holy fire to come and to burn these things up. We're one step closer to freedom. You've opened the door. You've shown the darkness. You've kicked the darkness out. And I'll tell you what, that darkness that's in your heart, it serves a purpose. It fills a need that you have spiritually. And there's a reason why it's there. There's a hole in our hearts that was intended for God, but we've filled it with these other things. And so when we evict these things from our heart, there's, there's a natural vacuum that we need to fill. Something needs to come into that heart to replace that. And the answer is we need to cling to our best friend, and that's the Holy Spirit. And I'll tell you what, this right here, the Holy Spirit, clinging to the Holy Spirit, 
is what separates this, what we're doing right now, from all the religions of the world. If somebody told me, you need to believe in Jesus, and then go to church, read the Bible, pray, give this amount of money, go share the gospel, um, fast every now and then, I would not do it. But if I have an experience with the living God, and he illuminates the word of God when I read it, and when I pray, it's like water for my soul, and when I share the gospel, I feel alive, then yes, I will do it. Because I know that there's a God. And I'll tell you what, the Holy Spirit, he comes and he legitimizes your ministry. He comes and makes all of these things real and worth your time. Otherwise, it's just ritual. Otherwise, it's just tradition. Otherwise, it's just another, another thing to enslave you. And so what I'm here to tell you today is that you need to admit you're naked and afraid. You need to get these things out of your heart. And then you need to open the door of your heart and you need to set the table. You need to bring out the nicest chair that you have. You need to make the nicest meal that you have. Put it on the table and say, Holy Spirit, this place is for you. I'm going to be hospitable to you. you this, is your, this is your throne room. Whatever you want, we're going to do it. And you know what? If we mess up, we're going to correct it right away. We're going to get what you want. If you didn't want that drink, I'll get you another drink. You hear what I'm saying? Cling to the Holy Spirit. Give him what he wants. Surrender to him. And that nakedness and that afraidness goes away. You're covered. You're covered like the prodigal son who was dirty. He was filthy. He wanted to just be a servant. And, and the father came and he put a ring on his finger. He put a robe on him. And they had a celebration for him. Thank you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, thank you, Jesus, for your goodness. We all need one thing. Martha was complaining to Jesus, hey, tell Mary to help me. Why isn't she helping me? And Jesus said, Martha, you're so worried about so many things in this life, but there's only a few things that you really need, and actually there's only one. And Mary has chosen the good thing. It's not going to be taken away from her. Hallelujah. And what was Mary doing? She was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to the Lord's word. And that's what we need. That word that God speaks is not just words on a page, but it's life. When he speaks, he's imparting life. He only uses words so that we'll understand it. But all he's doing is he's passing life to us. And Jesus said, I came to give you life and that you would have abundant life. He came and he said that out of your bellies, rivers of living water would flow because he is the living God. And that does not come from reading the Bible or just praying or just doing ritual type things. And I love reading the Bible. I, I need the Bible, but that's not what I need. I need Jesus Christ. I need the living God. Jesus said, you, you search the scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life. But the scriptures point to me. What we need is we need Jesus Christ, the living God, because he makes all of these things real. He makes all of these things what we actually need. Thank you, Father. Jesus said, if you hunger and if you thirst for righteousness, you will be satisfied. Thank you, Father. And so what is righteousness? Righteousness isn't these things that I mentioned. Righteousness is Jesus. Righteousness is the prince of peace. So if you hunger and thirst for him, if you hunger and thirst for the Holy Spirit, he will come. He wants to come. He's knocking on the door of your heart, and he wants to come. But you have to do it quickly after surrendering. You have to do it quickly after you've opened that door and you've evicted the tenant that's not paying. 
you have to quickly invite the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, more darkness is going to come and fill that need that you have. You need to be led. You need to be ruled spiritually. That's what you were made for. And so if you don't make, if you don't let God do it, some other father, some other darker father who hates you is going to do it. So when you open that door and you fling that thing out, call upon Jesus and he will come quickly. And you will see the difference. I'll tell you what, when I got saved, I was sitting in a worship service and I looked at everybody and I thought everybody was a fool who was there. I did not want to be there. My dad forced me to be there. And I just threw out, who do these people think they're worshiping? And the living God through the Holy Spirit said, they're worshiping Jesus. And you've been avoiding me your entire life. And at the same time, at the same moment, I feel extreme nakedness and afraidness. Like, oh, yeah, you're right. That's what I've been doing. And at the same time, I feel forgiveness and I feel love and I feel acceptance from him. And where I had burdens, pain, a dull pain that I was carrying my entire life, all of a sudden I'm free. I'm free. It's like you have that pain that it's, it's been there for so long that you don't even think about it anymore. But when the Holy Spirit comes and he uproots these things and he baptizes you with the fire of God, you say, oh yeah, this is different. This is something I've never felt before. And I don't care what any person says to me. I know that God is real. This moment right now is going to change my eternity forever. Because I didn't hear about God. The kingdom of God is not a, a kingdom of, pow- of word, but it's of power. I have experienced the power of God. So no, nobody can't tell me that God isn't real. I know he is. And that is just the beginning. You know, if you walk with the living God, these things manifest continually. There's proof that the living God is living. But we have to hunger and thirst for him. Because you know what? This whole thing, all of the creation, is just an expression of God's love. Why did he do this? He did it as an expression of love, and so we need to hunger and thirst and choose him, say yes to him, and no to everything else. We want to marry you and not anybody else. That's what God wants. So I'm here to ask you today, if you're naked and afraid, do you, are you hungry to stay naked and afraid, or are you hungry for the Prince of Peace? He gives peace that the world does not give. He gives peace that you can't understand. He gives peace in the face of of trials where you should be panicking. Thank you, Father, for your goodness. Thank you, Lord. Think of Moses when he saw that that burning bush. That bush should have been consumed by the fire, eliminated, destroyed, and that's what we are. Dry wood. Coming in contact with the fire of God should be eliminated, but we have died with Christ. We've been raised up with Christ. We're now a new creature. We're now compatible to hold that fire of God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. John 8, 31 to 32. Abide in my word, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Freedom is abiding in him. Abiding in him is truth in the innermost being. Thank you, Lord. Come to agreement with him. So apart from the Spirit, all of these things, you know, you can invite somebody to church and they can, they can, uh, they can be like, that, that, that's boring. 
You know, why do you do that? Apart from God, it's boring. But with the Spirit of God, this is life. This is what we need. In, um, in Acts chapter 19, Paul came across, uh, the Bible calls them disciples. Paul passed through the upper country and came to Ephesus and found some disciples. He said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, we have not even heard that there was a Holy Spirit. So there's people, these people that Paul just met, they've admitted, they've, they have truth in their most being, they've, they've, they've told God, I'm dark. They've opened the door, they've surrendered to it. Now they don't even know that there's a Holy Spirit. They don't, they don't know that there's more to life. These disciples have been uh, getting together They've been fellowshipping. They've been breaking bread. They've been, you know, listening to sermons. They've been doing whatever disciples do, living apart from the Holy Ghost. Okay? And um, I want to say real quick that um, what I'm talking about is the filling of the Holy Ghost. You know, I think, you know, in John chapter 3, verse 16, it says, For God so loved the world that whoever that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. If you believe in Jesus, you have everlasting life. What I'm talking about is the fire of God. I'm talking about the fire of God that comes and changes this, this life of just rituals to relation, real relationship with God. So these people have been disciples of Jesus, had not even heard of the Holy Spirit. And I don't want that to be anybody here. I want you to know that the Holy Ghost is available. And it's not only, it's, it's, it's just necessary. It's necessary for you to continue. If you feel like, you know, I believe in this God stuff. I'm trying to do good. I want to do good. I want to be better for God, but I just, I just keep messing up. I just keep not wanting to go to the Bible. I just keep like just staying where I'm at. I'm not saying that when, you know, you encounter God that you're going to be perfect. But I'm saying when the fire of God comes, you're going to be so hungry for God that you, you'll just know there's a difference. And so God desires truth in us. We need to come to an agreement with him. If you've turned your back on God, we have to honestly admit it. You need to surrender to his will, and then we need to seek him as if he was gold. I think my, my message could probably be summed up in this verse in Luke 9 when Jesus says, he who was saying, and he was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself. Deny who you, de deny yourself by saying, I'm not as put together as I thought I was. You need to take up your cross daily. When Jesus took up his cross, he was surrendering to the Father. He didn't want to go on the cross. He knew the pain that was coming, but he was surrendering to the will of the Father. And then, follow me. Follow me. And that's what, that's the call I'm making today. Follow him with all of your heart. Seek first the kingdom of God with honesty. And so, um, you know what? You don't, you don't need me. You don't need me. What you need is Jesus. And you know, the Bible says 
if you can, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before the Father. If you if you um, are ashamed before of me before men, I will be ashamed of you before the Father. And so I want to give you an opportunity to confess him before men. And like I said, you don't need me, but I want to just give you the opportunity. So I'm going to invite anybody who wants to come up just for a quick prayer. If you're somebody who feels like I need to admit to God who I am, I've been uh, um, telling myself that everything's fine and actually everything is not fine. And I want to come into agreement with you, Lord. Um, I'm naked and I'm afraid and I, I need something needs to change. I want you to come up. If, if you're a person who has a sin that you've just been dancing with or there's a, a deceitful pleasure in this world that has just been distracting you. You've been chasing this, this, this thing that, that promises riches. It promises all that the world has to offer. Or if you have this hurt in you that has proved to you that God is not enough, but you today want to surrender that. You want to say, you know what? I'm going to take up my cross today. I want you to come up. And if you're the person who says, you know what? I believe all of that. I'm hurting. I, and here's the things that I've been doing, and I don't want anything to do with that. I have a repented heart. But you just, you just can't break through. You just feel like you're stuck. You feel like you're stuck in the traditions of man, and you really want to have a real connection with the living God, and you are hungry for him. You are hungry to know him. You're hungry for more, for the living God. You want to know what that means to have rivers of living water flowing from your belly. And I want to pray for you. So I want you to come up. And I'm opening it up right now. So whoever wants to come up, now's the time. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Holy is your name, Father. Thank you, Lord. There's no reason why today... Um, there's no reason